Welcome to the Civil War Regiments Podcast, here to provide you with the reading of accounts of the common soldiers of the American Civil War, the eyewitnesses who lived, fought, suffered, and died through five years of brutal conflict. It is my hope that the reading of these accounts will make history come alive for you and offer a better understanding of daily life during the American Civil War. Today's account is from Army Life, A Private's Reminiscence of the Civil War by Theodore Garish. Garish served in the 20th Maine Infantry Regiment, and in the following account, he describes a number of practical jokes primarily played on new recruits while the regiment was in winter quarters at Rappahannock Station, Virginia. During the winter months away from the battlefield, the men would engage in whatever entertainment they could find, especially in regard to amusement. Here follows the account of Private Garish. In our company there were about 30 men, nearly all of whom were less than 30 years of age. As I recall the names of those brave fellows, and think of the amusements of that winter, I am almost tempted to assert that it was the happiest period of my life. Many recruits came to us during that time, and of course they were proper subjects for practical jokes. One fellow from the backwoods of Maine reached the regiment late in the afternoon. He soon revealed to a number of the boys that his only fear in becoming a soldier was that he would not be able to stand on a picket post. He felt that it would require a great deal of practice to do this in a skillful manner, and since he had decided to enlist, he had not had a moment's time to practice it. Of course, the boys had a great deal of sympathy for him and kindly promised to assist him, for which he was very thankful. They informed him how difficult a thing it was for them when they first began. They accompanied him to the lower end of the street, where a post, some four feet in height and six inches in diameter, was set upright in the ground, the upper end being sharpened nearly to a point. With a little assistance, the recruit succeeded in reaching that sharpened top, and in the evening twilight, for nearly two long hours, he managed to maintain his position and receive the compliments of his comrades. He then went to his tent, proud of the fact that he had mastered so difficult a problem in so brief a time. Another recruit, fresh from the schools and refined society, but who had never seen much of the world, came to our company. The boys saw at a glance that he was a glorious subject for a practical joke, and anxiously waited for an opportunity. It soon came. The young man was very confidential, and before he had been with us a whole day, revealed all his plans. He had enlisted, knowing that his education and polished manners would give him rapid promotion. Of course, he would be a private but a few weeks. So he had brought an officer's uniform with him and had the whole suit packed in his knapsack. Seeing that we were deeply interested in his plans, he asked if we could advise him in any way that would assist in his promotion. He would do anything to gain success in that line. Various things were spoken of by his advisors, which, if done, might aid him in his commendable ambition. One remarked that extravagance and use of government stores was the great evil of the army, and when the officers noticed that the man was prudent and looked out for the interests of the government, he was always rapidly promoted. We all took the hint. Only the day before this conversation, 
fresh ammunition had been issued to our regiment, and that which we had carried so long, having become worthless by exposure to air and moisture, was thrown away. The cartridges were scattered along the street and through our tents. Yes, that is so, continued another. Now, there are those cartridges. It is too bad to have them wasted, and I have no doubt the colonel would promote any man who would gather them up and carry them to his tent. But I won't do it. Neither will I, said speaker number three. I enlisted to shoot rebels. I am perfectly willing to wait in blood, but I won't do such work as that if I am never promoted. After this patriotic declaration, he yawned and turned over in his berth, as if he would sleep, but the bait had been swallowed. The recruit glided from the little group of soldiers, went to the cookhouse, borrowed two large camp kettles, and then through the tents and streets he went, until the kettles were nearly filled with cartridges, and he had all the load he could possibly carry. Then, staggering along with a kettle in each hand, he walked to the colonel's tent. He passed the guard who was on duty there, and did not halt until he had reached the doorway. He then gave a smart knock, with the assurance of one who was confident of receiving a warm welcome. One of the field officers answered the summons. The expectant recruit made known his business. The officer glanced down the street and saw the laughing soldiers. He took in the whole situation at a glance. There was a scowl, an oath, a vanishing officer, a door closing with a fearful slam, and Company H yelled and howled with delight. The sounds of merriment must have grated harshly upon the ears of the poor fellow who had been the victim. This episode crushed his expectations, and we never heard him utter the word promotion again. These jokes were not confined to each other, but the men in the ranks took great delight in practicing them upon the officers whom they didn't like, when it could be done innocently. At one time, a regiment in camp was living upon very poor rations. The bread was moldy, hard, and unfit to eat. There were no rations of meat, and as for the coffee and sugar, the grip of the quartermaster could be detected in every spoonful. There was a chaplain in the regiment who was supposed to look after the interests of the men, especially if they were sick, but the boys thought that this one paid too much attention to the officers and too little to them, as he never came to their tents or spoke with them when he met them. He was a remarkably sleek and well-fed-looking individual. One day he, together with some officers from another regiment, passed through a company street just as the men were eating dinner. The chaplain had his hands behind him and wore a self-satisfied look. A wag by the name of Dick sat on the ground by his tent door, trying to eat the musty hardtack. Assuming almost an idiotic look as the chaplain approached, he inquired very innocently, Chaplain, will you be kind enough to tell me what the two capital letters BC stand for when they are printed together upon anything? Oh, yes, blandly answered the chaplain, raising his voice so loud that it would attract the attention of all the men in the street. It means before the birth of our Savior, previous to the beginning of the Christian era. He proceeded to give quite the profound theological exposition of the whole matter, and then inquired, But, my man, why did you ask so unusual a question? Oh, nothing, answered the innocent Dick. 
only we have seen it stamped on these sheets of hardtack, and we're curious to know why it was there. At this point, the listeners all exploded with laughter, while the chaplain saw that he was sold and walked rapidly away. Private Theodore Garish, 20th Maine Infantry.